Our first reading for today is from the 12th and 13th chapters of 1 Kings. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, You've gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Then this thing became a sin, for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples on high places, and appointed priests from among all the people, who were not of the Levites. And Jeroboam appointed a feast on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, And he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he had made. He went up to the altar that he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went up to the altar to make offerings. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not withdraw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, 
and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, But he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments. What is the fifth commandment? You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And with the fifth commandment, even as children learn it, they they realize this means you shall not murder, which means you don't go and kill someone. But as with all of the commandments, and this was always how the Jews understood the commandments, there was a negative to it, something you're not to do, but there's also inherently a positive to it, that there is something you are to do. So yes, you don't murder, But look what Luther wrote along with this. 
We don't harm our neighbor in his body, don't murder, but help and support him in every physical need. There's that positive aspect to it, that we are to help one another, especially in our physical needs, and especially for the church. And this actually leads us to our reading that we had from St. Paul today in his second letter to the church at Corinth. We may not realize this, when, but when Paul started his missionary journeys, when he started them in 47 through 49 and, and onward, one of the reasons he went out was not only to share the gospel with the Gentiles, but you may remember hearing this in Acts, there was a famine in Judea where the, the church originated from, and it was bad, and the church in Judea was suffering. So they thought it would be good to go around to the churches that have benefited from hearing the gospel and encourage them to see if they would be willing to give an offering that Paul and others could take back to Jerusalem to help alleviate the suffering that they were going through. Paul had many reasons for writing his first and second Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, one of those reasons was to seek this appeal. And apparently, when he first visited them, they said, Yes, we will do that. Happy to do that. Now, when he's writing his second letter, he still hasn't received the offering from the church in Corinth. And meanwhile, Paul mentions to them that Corinth is in southern Greece. He mentions that those in Macedonia, northern Greece, who were well known to be not well off. They were a poor region. Had jumped on board with this and were very excited to share what they had with the church in Jerusalem. Corinth, which was, I don't, I don't know how better way to say this. They were a bit snooty. They were, the, they were the, a cultural focal point of Greece. Um, they were the New York City. They were the San Francisco. They thought they had it all in and of themselves. And they had a lot of resources. They had money. And this is what Paul said to them about their brothers in Macedonia and their offering. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of of the saints. So Paul reminds this wealthy city of Corinth of the Christians what their poor northern brothers are doing, giving of their means and even going beyond what they really should give. They were it was hurting. They were feeling it, right? And I always tell people, they always ask me, how much should I give, not just to the church, but give in my generosity of time, talents, treasure. I I, I always think personally, my rule of thumb, until you feel it a little bit. Anyone can cough up a quarter, right? What about $2,500? You know, and I'm not putting a number on anything. But suffice to say, the Macedonians, they felt it. But they wanted to. They gave what they could and even beyond what they could sometimes. So Paul's sharing that with the church in Corinth. And he goes on. He mentions to them 
that uh, a year ago, you started this work, meaning they said they would take the offering, not only to do this, but also desire to do it now. And then Paul says, so now finish doing it (laughs) as well, meaning they hadn't given yet. And then he reminds them that their abundance at the present time should supply the need of those who are hurting in Judea. It appears eventually they, they did provide their offering, but they did need some gentle encouragement. Let's put it that way from Paul. Often when we think about giving, we, we of course think about the church, but when we think about giving to those in need, we often, in our country at least, our minds usually, usually only go that way around Thanksgiving. You have a lot of food drives, a lot of canned food drives, right? People are hungry year-round. It's great. We do this at Thanksgiving. But may we always remember the need of people in our own community and in the churches that that go year-round all the time. And it's a good reason for us to always be reminded of maybe the excess that we have and the need that others have. Because Paul reminded the Corinthians that this wasn't just about food. This wasn't just about giving money. There was something much greater happening. And he pointed them back to Christ. And he reminded the Corinthians this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And those words hold true for all of us. Our Lord Jesus Christ was born in a barn, a stable at best. He had all of heaven. It was all his. And he gave up that richness. He did it for us. So that we might become rich through what he gave up. And the same holds true for us Christians. We mirror Christ. We follow him, right? We pick up our cross and follow him. May we also remember that our benefits, whatever riches we may have, of time, talent, and treasures can be of great benefit to everyone in this world and especially to Christ's church. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.